the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. About a century ago, there was a famous Christian leader named G.K. Chesterton, and he was talking about the resurrection of Jesus and how, you know, Jesus had uh, proven his deity in so many ways. He was the promised Messiah, the Son of God, and then, of course, the greatest proof of all, he rose from the dead. And we call this the good news. And somebody asked uh, G.K. Chesterton about other world religions, and he said, well, no other religion has any good news because really no other belief system has any news. Christianity trumps them all. Our God is alive. Our Savior has risen, and the one who believes in him will be forgiven and have everlasting life as well. Well, this is Alex McFarland, Bert Harper, and you're listening to Exploring the Word, and we're so honored that you are. We are in John chapter 20 in the New Testament. Uh, Bert and I probably today or at, at the longest tomorrow will wrap up the Gospel of John. But Bert, uh, it's good to be with you. And yesterday, in addition to going through much of John 20, we just had some spectacular phone calls and great questions and Good interaction with the listeners, didn't we? We really did, and we're praying for Michelle. I had some people to email me and saying they were praying for Michelle because if you remember, she was talking about uh, that she had gotten off of the alcohol and drugs, but she was on that uh, medication that causes, help her to get off, but she felt addicted to it. So we had people praying for one another. So this is awesome, and that's what this is. Alex and I like to think about it's the biggest uh, Bible study group uh, in, in the United States. I don't know about the world, but it's a big one, and that's what we consider it to be. And so today we're again in John chapter 19. Now, Alex, we, we kind of stopped off around verse 19. We were talking there, uh, just putting a group together from 19 to 25. But this is when Jesus comes, and, and he is there with Thomas not being there. But notice what he says to them in verse 19. 19, he says, peace be with you. And then in verse 21, peace to you. And I was trying mm-hmm. to look at the difference in that and say, well, okay, tell me a little bit. The peace and the you are different, but with you and then to you. Now, have you heard the difference in the peace of God and the peace with God? Uh, yeah, I, I have, and there is a difference, isn't there? There really is. To be at peace with God means that your sins have been forgiven, that you know him as your Savior, but the peace of God is that which passes all understanding, knowing that he is, uh, ultimately, he's in control. Now, there there's doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. Some people want to make that saying, well, if God's in control, why does difficult things happen? Well, get, let me tell you something about childhood. We raised three sons. If we had never let them fall from trying to walk, they'd have never walked. I mean, you know, you've got to you've got to take the difficulty that comes our way. Jesus said it well. In this world, you will have tribulation, troubles, difficulties. They're part of living in a fallen world, isn't it? Well, it really is. And you know what? A lot of times uh, I think there are two extremes. People will say, well, there is no such thing as evil. Uh, or they'll say that, you know, it's just an illusion or or something like that. But, you know, we are in a fallen world, and it's a world where there's a spiritual battle going on. And uh, evil is real, but God is in control. And that's what Jesus could say, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Now let me read a little bit here, folks. We're in John chapter 20, and Jesus appeared and said to them, verse 20 and 21, he showed them his hands and his side, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. And hey, when you see the Lord, you will be glad. Then Jesus said to them again, peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, verse 23 is a little complicated, but before we get there yesterday, I said it was almost like a miniature Pentecost. There was salvation, 
there was commissioning, and there was the impartation of the Holy Spirit. It's almost like what Peter will do a few weeks after this. That's right. And Alex, when you see that, I, I can't help. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. This goes along with what we said earlier. He calls them brothers. Uh, first, they started out as servants. Then he called them friends. Now he's calling brothers. And we become joint heirs with Christ, not only in our inheritance, but also in doing the Father's will. And so here he says, this is it. As the Father has sent me, I also sent you. Now, Alex, I want to ask you, I know it was for those that were in the upper room, and probably the two on the road to Emmaus was there as well, and there may have been some of the women there. We don't know all. We know the 10 of the apostles were there. But what he said here, even as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Are we today, 2023, are we sent out by the Father? Huh, absolutely. (laughs) You mean that had changed? (laughs) <laughs> no, the the Great Commission has never been rescinded, has it? It has not. And that's what we, even this radio program, part of this radio program, what AFR wants Alex and myself to do, our leadership, they say, man, you're a key part of this, of the Bible study. Now, we have others that are, they, they share the Word of God, but you guys, we want you to get into the Word of God, dig it, share with others what it means to know Christ as Savior, so we're helped. Matter of fact, part of the mission statement of American Family Radio is to aid the church in carrying out the Great Commission at in the United States, but also around the world. So, Alex, we're sent ones even here today. Well, you know, and I want to get to uh, John twenty twenty three, but Ephesians four eleven and twelve talks about that God gave to the church pastors, teachers, and evangelists for equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And you have been a pastor, so have I. Uh, I've been a youth pastor, and you uh, at one time were a youth pastor too. Does my memory serve me That's right. I sure was. And and so you and I have both pastored, and I love it. I really do. But I've been an evangelist, and you and I have been teachers. And I view right now, uh, by virtue of exploring the Word, our our little contribution to the Great Commission as equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, as Ephesians 4 says. Would you agree? I agree with that. And, Alex, that's what we try to do. We not only—again, I said this last week. I'm going to repeat myself here. I said we're not doing this just so you'll know more of the Bible. We want you to know the Bible so you'll know the God of the Bible. That's the whole idea. And I was reading and getting ready for the program today, and I was thinking about all the people— if you remember, a Nicodemus came to see Jesus by night, and he said, we know you're from God because of all the works you have done. He knew right. the miracles of God, but he didn't know God through Jesus Christ. So it's more than a head knowledge. It's more than just obs- observation. There's got to be a revelation, the revelation of the Holy Spirit of God into our lives when he comes in at our invitation because he's knocking at the door wanting to come in Jesus is, and he said, if you ask me to come in, I will come in and will dwell with you, fellowship with you. And so, Alex, that's what we're about, that people that are listening might know him. And when you know him, when you really, really know him, you'll love him. Uh, Those people that have trouble not loving him, they don't know him like they should. Well, exactly, exactly. And uh, it is a great thing. Uh, I want to challenge you to do something so that before you leave this world, at least one person would pray and accept Christ because of your witness. Uh, and and i got to say this, folks, and I was the most introverted, shy, quiet, backward, very, very socially backward 21-year-old. But Bert... Uh, I went to hear Bailey Smith, and Bailey Smith, he's in heaven now. He was a great evangelist, and he challenged us to try to lead somebody to Christ. And I pray, I wanted to lead at least one person to Christ. And um, by God's grace, I was able to do that. And it, it was awkward, and, and I was very nervous. But here's the thing, folks. If you ever lead a person to open their heart to Jesus, you will be so—it's so exhilarating— <laughs> 
Honestly, Amen. if you lead a soul to Christ, that is all you will ever want to do with yourself for the rest of your life is see people get saved. Amen. And, you know, um, we'll move on, but pray about it. Listen to the program. We want to help you get confident and equipped, but be a witness for Jesus because that's the most important thing of life. Well, verse 23 is an interesting verse. Now, remember, Jesus says, I'm sending you, just like the Father sent me, and receive the Holy Spirit. So, look, they had the message, they had the commissioning, and they had the empowerment, all right? Then it goes on, it says, Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now, Bert, let's talk about what this doesn't mean, okay? It doesn't mean that the apostles were the ones doing the saving right there. You know, uh, God we says agree he's on? the one that can forgive sin. Right. Yeah, go ahead. E- exactly. Um, I, I want to read this in the ESV because that's a, a more modern translation, and maybe we'll unpack it a little bit. But Jesus says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So let me say this. At the very least, this verse could mean when you see somebody that is lost in sin, you can be used by God to tell them the way to get free of that sin. And if you don't tell the lost person um, until something else happens, they're going to remain lost. It at the least means that, doesn't it? It does mean that. And again, I was trying to go over that with several sources and the and the and people like Weist and Mantley. Now, these guys are, are Greek scholars. Now, I, I know a little Greek, and I can get help that way, but these men were the scholars, and they talked about these that God is the forgiver, and we are an instrument to share the good news of forgiveness. And so the whole idea is that this puts the pressure still on the individual that is needing to know God and to know forgiveness. The pressure is not on the apostles to do the forgiving. The pressure on them, or the I would say the responsibility on them, is to share that that is available, Alex. Forgiveness is available through Jesus Christ. But if that forgiveness has not happened, then you are going to pay the price for that sin. But Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus' blood washes it white as snow. That's the good news, isn't it, Alex? It is, folks. And when we come back after this brief break, Exploring the Word will continue in John 21. More of God's Word plus your calls and Bible questions. Stay tuned. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Gina Raimondo, U.S. Secretary of Commerce. Her office works to create jobs, promote economic growth, encourage sustainable development, and harm blockful trade practices of other nations. Leviticus 25.14 reminds us of the importance of fair trade. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Gina Raimondo in her work at the Commerce Department. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. If you think your situation is hopeless, Dr. Tony Evans says maybe the problem isn't your situation. Maybe it's your thinking. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 10 as we spend two minutes with Tony. Satan has so constructed our thinking that we adopt his thinking about the world rather than God's thinking about the world. And notice what he sets up in our mind. He sets up in our mind, according to end of verse 4, fortresses. Or, as some versions translate it, strongholds. He sets up in our mind permanent residency. He sets up walls that won't come down. 
He makes himself so at home with the vice grip of our thinking that we conclude there is no way I can say get out of this problem. No way we can save this marriage. Never can be done. Tried everything I can try. It just doesn't work. You're looking at somebody who's got a stronghold or a fortress. However it got there, it was built there through the means of the evil one, but it has been situated in the mind. Now, if it is situated in speculations, knowledge, and thought, all having to do with the mind, there is no place you can go that can take you to a solution that does not address that. Everything else becomes a band-aid or a temporary solution because it deals with the mind. Stop being a victim of the spiritual battle going on around you. Check out Tony's book, Warfare, for a look at how to break the bond Satan uses to keep us down. Request it today at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Now, back to the Bible study. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. And if you want to view us rather than just listen to us, you can go to streaming.afa.net. That is streaming.afa.net. Or we're on Facebook, and you can uh, observe us that way. And, uh, we, we, you know, the question is asked, does the video look good? And and so we hope, hopefully it does, you know. And uh, <laughs> so we don't know if the person looks good or not, Alex, but the video can look good. You know, it's clear. So that's what we're shooting yes. for, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. And we're in John chapter 20. And uh, turn there if you can and follow along with us. And later on, we're going to get to our calls, which is 888 if you want to call in with a Bible question. So, Bert, verse 23, um, I'll put it like D.L. Moody put it. We can't save anybody, but we are called to be the messenger boy. Amen. And That's a high and, call. By the way, Yes. Messenger boy and messenger girl, that is a high calling, isn't it? Well, it surely is. It really is. And uh, so we are telling the world how their sins can be forgiven, and that's through Jesus. Now, verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. All right, Bert, let me just parenthetically say this. All right, the, the disciples were in the upper room. Jesus appeared. And Thomas wasn't there, and he missed it, right? Here's the point, folks. If, you, if you're if you not in church, you're going to miss things. <laughs> so So be in church. So when God shows up, you'll experience it. All Amen. Right? You are right. And I, <laughs> I, I, I want to just tell you, I remember when COVID first started and, and everybody was shutting down. You and I talked about it. We thought it'd be a, at the most a month, you know? And I said, I know. you know, that would be no trouble. We can do that. But I always want to tell you, as it drug on and on, and I'm not wanting to go back and rehash that, which I think was a mistake to to miss. But uh, I, I do want to say, man, listen, you miss something. You miss being with God's mm-hmm. people. God gave us the church for a reason. We had yes. the Bible. We had the Savior. But he also wanted the church. And it was to help carry out the message of Christ. We've been commissioned to do the mission but we also have fellowship one with another. Now, Alex, when you come to Thomas, his name, like all of them, most of them, like Simon, Peter, uh, two names, you know. Here was Thomas Didymus, but one is, is what it was in Aramaic and the other, you know, Jew. But it means twin, T-W-I-N. We don't know if mm-hmm. he is a twin, a brother or sister. There's a lot of folks that speculate that maybe Bartholomew or Nathaniel may have been his twin. That's just speculation. But I want to tell you, he does have a lot of twins spiritually when it comes to saying, I won't believe unless I see. Now, there's a right, right. lot of twins for Thomas that way, aren't there? Well, yeah, yeah, the the skeptic. But now, 
uh, it's it's fine to have questions, but then you want your reaction to be like his was eventually. Amen. We'll see in a moment. This is so beautiful. The other disciples therefore said unto Thomas, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Verse 26. doesn't say I cannot believe. It says will not. And verse 25 there Bert, um, opening up to Christ really is a matter of will, isn't it? Really is. And and here is Thomas. He's had the witness. Uh, Jesus had said, he had heard what Jesus said about that. Uh, he had made that promise earlier on at the Mount of Transfiguration, coming on into Jerusalem. He told them that he would die, but he would come back. They didn't believe it. They didn't understand it. And here's Thomas. He would not believe them. And the way the Greek is established here, they kept on telling him. In other Mm -hmm. words, that Thomas, we were there. We saw it. No, I will not. I will not, as you said. But here he says, all of a sudden, Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, now what he says is amazing to me. He didn't say, Thomas, come here. I've been listening to you. No. He enters with peace. Alex, that's what he wants. He is it's the gospel of peace. And how many times in this passage does he say that? In verse nineteen, in verse twenty one, in verse twenty six, here is the peace. And I don't know how to say this. All of a sudden, Thomas is going to have that peace. He's going to have that joy. For those eight days when his uh, friends and partners, apostles, had had the peace of God and the joy of knowing he was in distress, God came to give us the joy and the peace that passes all understanding. And Thomas didn't get it, but he finally gets it, doesn't he? Well, he does. He does. And, you know, um, peace is such a precious thing. I don't want to get us off track, but, you know, um, in all of these appearances, when the Lord appeared, he would say, peace be unto you. Um, If your life doesn't have a lot of peace in it, come to Jesus. Yes. I mean, he he is the king of peace, really. Uh, And Jerusalem, Jerusalem, (laughs) the city of the king of peace, really. And so uh, you'll, you'll find peace in Jesus Christ. You really will. But so Jesus appears, and he says, Peace be unto you. And he says to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. In other words, I've heard what your stumbling block is, and I'm willing to help you through it. But you know what? Suddenly, in verse 28, Thomas doesn't need all that proof after all. He bows down and he says, my Lord and my God. Alex, isn't that something? Isn't that one of the greatest declarations that's in the Bible? Notice the personal pronoun, my, my. Again, Amen. he has repeated that. Jesus had used that earlier. You remember in verse 17, do not cling to me. This is what he said to Mary, for I send to my father, Go and tell my brethren. And and we're talking about personal relationships here. We're talking about knowing God in a personal way. We're not talking about abstract. We're not talking about just knowledge. We're talking about a relationship that is beyond description. And so here, Thomas, my Lord, my God. And Alex, uh, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Again, Alex, just as he said in verse 21, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And as he says here, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He's talking to us, Alex. He really is. Uh, Adrian Rogers, one of our favorite preachers, he's in heaven now, but Adrian Rogers said faith is when you pray for rain, you carry an umbrella, you know? <laughs> yes. And one of my great heroes that I've loved so much, D.L. Moody, um, and I've read a few biographies on Moody, and some one time they were apparently in an upstairs uh, room, and they were planning some ministry campaign, and Moody had all the faith, enough for everybody. And somebody said, if God told you to get up and walk out that second-story window, you would do it, wouldn't you? And Moody said, I honestly would. Uh, not that anybody ought to ever do that, but the point is, he believed God, 
And so Jesus says to Thomas here, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. Now, we often talk about 2 Peter 1, 16 through 21, the proof of Jesus, where Peter says, we have not followed cleverly devised fables. Folks, I want to tell you, Bert's been there, I've been there, many listeners have been to the Holy Land. Uh, this is Mount Sinai is real, Mount Moriah is real, um, uh, Capernaum is real, the Sea of Galilee, from, you know, the... Uh, the, the tomb of Samuel to the empty tomb of Jesus. This is real. But don't just be somebody who stubbornly says, you know, I'm too smart to believe. No, the wisest thing you can do is to trust in Jesus. And Bert, I, I would say this, um, stubborn, willful unbelief in light of great evidence, that's what's unjustified, you know. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean you're an intellect to reject God when the evidence is so compelling. But, Bert, I've, I've known a lot of wonderful people, and they, they've never read Josh McDowell or C.S. Lewis. They just trust that a loving God would be honest with us. And that's really a beautiful thing. God, our Creator, is so merciful. He loves us. God is not going to mislead you. God is not going to lie to you. And God says, turn to me and I will forgive you. And I would say this, Bert, as much as I do love archaeology and I love to look at the evidence, but I want to tell you the most compelling, as clear as the noonday sun, and that is the written Word of God, the Bible, isn't it? It is. Observation will take you so far. In other words, if you observe the life of Christ through the Word of God, if you observe the difference that God has made through Jesus Christ in the lives of his followers, I want to tell you, you can know that there's a God, and you can know that his son is Jesus Christ. But the Bible says to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You are the Christ, the son of the living God, but my father who's in heaven. In other words, observation and then revelation the revelation of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, first convicting us, drawing us to Him, to Jesus, and making the difference in our lives. So you can know all the facts. I'm glad you know all the facts. Those are important facts, and they are true. Just like Alex said, they're not a myth. You can go to the Holy Land. You can see these actual places that have been discovered, and they're consistent with the Bible that was written thousands of years ago. And I want to just tell you, without the Holy Spirit of God convicting us and drawing us unto the Father, we could never be saved. So if the Holy Spirit is calling those of you who are listening today to a closer walk with him, to know him, you better do it. Because notice what he does here, Alex, and if you want to go back to 29, you can. But it's the perfect time to read 30 and 31. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. These that I've written, that is written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Here he reveals his total purpose, the seven miracles that he reports. He said he did a lot more miracles than this, but he said, I've selected seven so that you could see that Jesus is the Christ. He used the seven I am's in the book of John. I am the bread. I am the life. All of those, he says, that you might believe. These have written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believe in that you might have life in his name. The question is, those of you who are listening right now, do you have life in Jesus Christ? Has the Holy Spirit of God come in and dwelt in your life? If he hasn't, you can ask him right now. You can say, Lord, I am a sinner. I'm lost. I have no hope within my own power. I don't have enough money because money can't buy it. I can't attend church enough because that would not sustain it. But today, I admit that I'm lost. I know that Jesus died on the cross. I know he is buried and rose again. And right now, I'm turning away from myself and from my sin and turning to you, asking you to forgive me and to come into my life. If you real do that, I want to tell you, he'll change your life and forever. Alex, it happened to you as a 21-year-old boy. It happened to me mm -hmm. as a 12-year-old boy. Uh, we, I, I want a testimony right here. 
Uh, Brent, mm -hmm. get the microphone over there to you, man. He's our producer. What age were you, brother, when Jesus Christ came into your life? 22. 22. So he Amen. saved you at 22? Yes, sir. And he put a desire to know him in your life? Yes, sir. Amen. So, Alex, Amen. that's the good news. Jesus has come yes. to save sinners, and that's who needs to be saved. <laughs> uh, you know what? Um, a dear friend of mine that went to be with the Lord about a year ago, uh, a dear lady named Lydia Bowman, she was 103, led Bible studies in nursing homes well into her late 90s. And I saw Mrs. Bowman, we called her Mrs. Bowman, she had been uh, a full-time missionary with Child Evangelism Fellowship, and she was really kind of a mentor in the life of Angie and me when we were newlyweds. But Mrs. Bowman called her up one day, and she had, in one of her nursing home ministries, she was well into her 90s, but she led to Christ a Jewish lady that was 93. <laughs> and now, now think about this. Um, the, this dear Jewish lady that attended Lydia Bowman's Bible study uh, accepted Christ at 93. So uh, you're not too young, you're not too old. Look, you're not too old to be saved, you're not too old to be used by God. Isn't that something? That is amazing. One of, one of my pastors, his name was Wiley Gann, and just uh, when I surrendered to, yes, Lord, I know you want me to preach, I'm going to, he was my pastor, he got me started and everything. He was up in his 40s and you know, already had a business, is doing what he wanted to do, and he'd been speaking as a layman, but God called him into pastoring. And he told me, he said, Bert, if God's calling you, I want to tell you, no matter what you have to leave behind, no matter what you don't know what you're getting into, you follow God. And so, Amen. listen, those of you that are lost, come to Christ. Those of you that are saved, and yet you feel like, man, God, is this all there is to it? Uh, serve him. As Alex said earlier, lead someone to the Lord. Commit yourself to that of, of sharing his word. You say, well, I don't know where to start. Go to your local church. Go to a staff member, a deacon, an elder, what it is. Say, do y'all need any help on the parking lot? Do you need oh, any yeah. help in the nursery? You, use, you have to do a background check these days to work in preschool, and that's great. Uh, said, but I want to do something. Is there something I can do after church? Can I pick up the trash uh, that's left in the sanctuary after church. Start serving the Lord, and Alex, he'll he will lead you from there, won't he? He he really will. Go up, uh, go forward Sunday, and just say to your pastor, um, "Plug me in. I, I'll do anything." <laughs> have the and ambulance there. He might have a heart attack now. <laughs> yeah. And after your pastor gets up from having fainted, uh, but but you know what? Listen, whether you're preaching or teaching or emptying the wastebaskets, it's all for Jesus. Amen. And anything Amen. you do for Christ is worthwhile and valid. It really is. And I just want to tell you, there's no small jobs in the kingdom of God. And listen, we want you to follow him. Trust him, follow him, serve him. We're going to take your phone calls, 888-589-8840. AFA is no longer dependent on Facebook or YouTube to live stream our original programming. As of now, American Family Radio shows like Today's Issues, The Court, Airing the Addisons, and The Hamilton Corner are streaming live on the AFA streaming app. Independent live streaming is the next step as we come out from among them and separate ourselves unto the Lord. Search AFA Streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. This week on Truth For Life, we're learning how to recognize false teachers and how to respond to scoffers who say Jesus isn't returning. We'll also find out how to become more like Christ as we prepare for his return. That's our focus on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Truth For Life, weekday mornings at 1130 Central on AFR and online at AFR.net. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on healthcare costs is so frustrating. But here's some great news. If you miss the December 7th deadline for open enrollment, it's not too late. Here's something that can really help. It's MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. It's people who encourage and pray for each other, too. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops 
It's a great way to fight inflation too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. Plus it's easy. You can use any Medicare approved doctor or get 24 seven telehealth access from the comfort of your home. So worth looking into MediShare 65 plus is open for enrollment. And if you join right now before January 31st, your second month will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. With this statement, Jesus affirmed what he'd already said in Genesis 1 and 2 and defined marriage for all time. Contrary to the protestations of the nouveau critical theorists, the nuclear family consisting of a married father and mother is not a Western sociological prescription or construct. Marriage did not originate in the West. Its origin isn't suburban America. It started in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden. Marriage is God's idea. Therefore, he alone defines it. If you don't like it, your problem is with God, not me. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. 2 Corinthians 5, 1. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Amen. Yes, if you're fearful, Jesus Christ can give you joy and peace. That's what we studied today, the peace that God brings and the joy that God brings into your life. And we pray you know that. Well, we're going to take questions, and we're going to do that as quickly as we can. But, Alex, have you got something that you want to tell us about first? Oh, praise the Lord. Well, folks, we do these apologetics conferences. Many of you have been to our conferences around America, and I wanted to make everybody aware April 21 through 23. Now, that's a little ways off, but not as far as you might think. We're doing a conference in Paris, Tennessee, with our very dear friends at Tennessee Valley Community Church, TVCC. Now, listen to this. The theme is Truth Matters, Confronting the Issues That Will Shape Our Future. Really. Now, listen, I'm going to be there. Uh, Abe Hamilton III, Will and Mickey Addison is going to be there in person. Love Worth Finding Ministries is helping sponsor this. And I'm going to tell you who else is going to be there. Myself, Abe Hamilton, the Addisons, Carl Kirby, Reasons for Hope. But also, listen to this, Bert Harper of Exploring the Word. And so, look, it's for all ages that we're going to be in a public high school to do an event, but sessions on how to defend your Christian faith. The website is truthforanewgeneration.com, truthforanewgeneration.org and .com, and we'll talk about it some more, but be making plans. It's not far from Nashville, uh, April 21 through 23, the next Truth for a New Generation conference is coming up. And you want to be there. I'm telling you, if you've never been to a Truth for a New Generation, it will light your fire. Not only is it encouraging, it also informs, it equips you, and and the fellowship is fantastic. So it's everything you'd want. That's a Friday through that Sunday morning. And so we're looking forward to meeting many of you there. Well, Alex, we got people online. Where to first? Well, we're going to first go to Texas. We love Texas. We'll speak with Charlie. Thanks for holding, Charlie. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi, guys. Thank you. Uh, so good to talk to you again. I've been fortunate to make it through a couple of times. Well, I have a question I've been you. wrestling with today. Thank you. Uh, I, I want to know, you know, reading Romans seven fifteen through 20, Paul asked, why do I do? what I don't want to do. And I ask myself, why do I do what I don't want to do? And is it okay or acceptable to, or even possible for God to be sovereign over my thoughts, over my brain? 
Uh, uh, Charlie, thank you, brother, for calling. Yes, he is. But let me share with you. It will always be a battle. Always. It was a battle in, in, in the life of Paul. Even Jesus. Now, Alex, I don't want to take this further than, than I need to take it. But even in the garden, Jesus said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will. There's that battle, doing God's will. He was determined to do God's will. But when he knew what was facing him, there was that, okay, is there any other way? And so it will be a battle all the way until we get to the glory, won't it be, to, for our thoughts? It will be. And, you know, when I think about this, is it appropriate to pray for God to be sovereign over our thoughts? Because, you know, really the battle over behavior begins with the battle over beliefs and the thoughts in our mind. But Psalm 19:14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Bert, we train ourselves, Philippians 4, 8, think on the good, the true, the beautiful. Um, I think we have to do what we can to establish godly habits, but I also think based on Psalm 1914, it's appropriate to pray and say, uh, dear Lord, guide my thought life. Amen. I, hey, Charlie, I know I have, and I do, I still do, and Lord, help me in that area. Uh, and let me share with you, uh, we're tempted. The temptation is not the sin that Jesus was tempted but he did not sin, and you combat it. Don't just pray. Put the Word of God in your heart. It takes mm-hmm. those two. They work in tandem, prayer and the Word of God. And uh, I, I really believe you can have victory. And uh, so thank you, Charlie. And, and, yeah, and position yourself to not be in a place of temptation. Like if, let's say if you struggle with alcohol, then you'd probably best not hang out in a bar. You know, um, and I mean, there, there's a lot of things that you can do to uh, avoid temptation. But uh, great question. Let's go to Oklahoma. Dove. What what a beautiful yes. name. Dove in Oklahoma. Did I get your name right? Yes, you did. <laughs> All right. Um, well, it's first time caller. I've been listening for about oh, six or eight months now. I enjoy listening to AFR. Um, and, and y'all show too, but I've got a question a while ago, I believe it was Ephesians four eleven you were quoting and it starts off and he gave son to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But I right. think you omitted apostles and prophets. Am I correct? I did. And l- let me speak to this and thank you for bringing this out. You know, very often we talk about the, the roles in ministry in Ephesians four eleven and 12, are a great text on this. And I mentioned uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, in the, in the Greek, uh, the word is really like evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And you are very observant, Dove, that I didn't say apostles and prophets, not because they, they didn't exist, but generally, and here's why I did, because there was... Um, the age of Scripture and the book of Acts, and then there's the church age. And in a way, and Bert, you feel free to disagree, because Bert and I have never discussed this before, to my recollection. But generally, apostles were known to be those that had seen the risen Jesus, like the apostle Paul or the apostle Peter. They had seen the risen Jesus. Now, every Christian is a disciple, but not every Christian is an apostle, because um, I haven't seen the risen Lord Jesus. And in terms of prophets, now we can prophesy in the sense of proclaiming the Word of God, but I can't prophesy in terms of telling the future, because I've not gotten a vision of God like a prophet like Isaiah. So Bert, the reason, and you're very observant, Dove, the reason I made that delineation, Bert, is because evangelists, pastors, and teachers, we've still got. But apostles and prophets, um, I really don't think we do right now. Let me, I, I, I would agree, but I would have a qualifier. On the area of apostles, the word meant sent ones. Now, in some sense, all of us are sent. 
But then God gives a specific calling, like to missionaries, to go to areas that, I, listen, that are difficult and hard. When I think about some of those early missionaries that went to India and China, Hudson Taylor, William Carey, listen, I would not call them apostles. I agree, but they are sent ones. So if you want to replace the apostles with a word that I think is appropriate for, quote, the church age, Alex, I would say the missionaries, you know, and he's given which us means those. martyr. It really, yes, it does. And they've gone. And in the area of the prophets, I agree fully. Although God had, and a lot of it has to do with studying, but there seems to be some giftedness in the area of eschatology interpretation. Now, again, it's not that God's given them a special, uh, uh, I would say, a vision. But he has given them the great, great capacity to look at the Word of God in such a way that uh, I think a Jack Van Impey, I've never heard anybody more uh, yeah. equipped to share about the future events than Jack Van Impey. I, I really believe that. So I, I yeah. agree with you. But I think, uh, not that they've been replaced, but there's those ministries that they had, I think, are uh, shared with others. Amen. Amen. Great question, sir. And thank you for being a listener. Hope you'll call again. Uh, Jimmy in North Carolina, my home state of North Carolina. Welcome, Jimmy. Yes, sir. So glad I could get through with y'all guys today. Welcome. I got a uh, comment that um, I didn't really have my eyes open to until recently. The pastor um, that I go to um, listen to. Um, made a comment, said that um, that don't, you know, a lot of times as Christians we try to dodge the storm. We try to, you know, fear away from the storm. But he made a comment, said that um, to not fear the storm, but to go into the storm because God was in the storm and that if you dodge the storm, you might not get the lesson or learn the lesson that you need to learn that God's trying to teach you. Okay, Jimmy, thank you. There's truth in that. Not every storm is one that is where you learn. Jesus came walking to the apostles when they were in the storm, and they learned some things. Jonah was in the storm to correct him. And, and so the storms have different purposes that come into our life. While you were there, I wanted to say this, Alex, and I'll throw it to you real quickly. Speaking of, of that, you know, when Peter, and we're going to get to it in chapter 21, two times Peter got out of the boat. The first time he saw Jesus coming and walking, and uh, he went to him. Of course, he fell. When he got his eyes off, Jesus carried him back to the boat. And in chapter 21, he's going to jump out of the boat and go to Jesus. I, I just couldn't help it. When I see the storm, sometimes it's to get us out of the boat, brother, uh, and yeah, wow. to let us go with the Lord. Like Job 38.1, God spoke to Job from out of the whirlwind. He did. Uh, let me say, no matter what storm or tempest you might find yourself in, though, he's with you. You know, David said, if I go into the heights of heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in the lowest depths. And isn't it good to know, Bert, good times, bad times, at all times, uh, the Lord is with us. And, yes. and his presence hey, is available. Uh, Alex, okay, yes. go ahead. After Becky, let's go to Stephen. Let's go to okay. Becky first. Okay. Uh, Becky in Texas, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi. Um, I've been reading in Genesis 10 and 11, and in 10, in verses 8 and 31, it talks about the descendants of Noah spreading out over the earth and each kind of clan group having their own language. And then mm -hmm. verse 1 of chapter 11 starts out saying that now the whole earth had one language and the same words. So is chapter 11 like a flashback from before the sons of Noah had spread out, or how does that fit together? And I'll hang up and listen to you. Okay, thank you, Becky. That's in chapter 10 and 11, right, Alex? Yes, exactly. And like 1031, and it talks about... Um, uh, these are the sons of Shem after their families, after their tongues, in their lands, after nations. I really, I do think that chapter 11 is kind of a uh, going back because, see, after the flood, Shem, Ham, and Japheth uh, populated the world again. 
And that's where we get all of the ethnicities, really, and ultimately all of the uh, language groups and the dialects. And in a way, chapter 11 clarifies that because the world was of one language, and then, of course, they tried to build that tower all the way up to heaven, the Tower of Babel, and God confused the languages. So um, it's not that uh, God didn't know the order to put things in, but it's it's almost like uh, chapter 10 is this broad statement. Then in chapter 11, it's almost like saying, okay, let's go back and clarify how this happened. Yeah. We get the same thing in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, you yes. have this quite often. Genesis chapter 1 is the big picture of creation. Then you go to chapter 2. It's not a separate act. It's that zooming in on the creation of men. Yes. Go ahead, Alex. Uh, Stephen in Texas, I wanted to make time for you. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you. We're listening. I don't know where to start. What what are you, what's what's hurting you, Stephen? Life, man. Well, Stephen, let me just share with you. I, I read a little bit what you told Robert. Let me just share with you. Life that God has for us is better than it is right now. Our future, we have hope. When somebody is seem like they've lost hope, that is difficult. Do you remember it says in 1 Corinthians that he gives faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is loved. And a lot of times when we feel unloved, that God, where's God? Others don't love us. We lose that hope. But the hope is in Christ, and it is him. And we're going to be praying for you. All of those of you listening, Stephen's having a hard time expressing, but I think you get the gist of it. We need to pray for him. Write Stephen's name down, and we're going to bombard heaven for you, Stephen, in the next 24 hours and even longer. But if you, can you tell us anything, Stephen, specifically that we can pray for you about? It's just, I lost my first wife to suicide. Mm. Then my next wife, and I thought, God had actually put us together because we were the only ones strong, strong enough to take care of each other. Things got tough. She took off. So now I only lost my hope. I lost my purpose. Okay, Stephen. God has a purpose for you. We want to pray for him. Alex, uh, we got about a minute left. Could you pray for Stephen? We're praying for you, Stephen. Father God, I thank you for Matthew 6, 8, that you know what we need even before we ask. So I lift up Stephen. In the name of Jesus, Lord, lift his spirits, lift his heart, but meet his needs and help him to find his hope and his purpose and his healing in you. In Jesus' name we lift up Stephen. Amen. Stephen, trust the Lord, not men. Lean upon him and not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct you. Trust Jesus, Stephen. Thank everybody for listening today. Pray for Stephen. Make that a priority of the next day. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.